morning, everybody. It's good, good to see you all. Today we're beginning a new series on uh, the book of James and looking at some of the pressure points in life. And <clears throat> I wanted to just speak for a moment about the Lord's Supper that we're doing tonight. And we do a Lord's Supper, you might know this as communion, but it's a remembrance service of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And Paul gives us some guidance in the Scripture about um, how to prepare ourselves to take the Lord's Supper or to take communion. And so, uh, before we take the Lord's Supper, Paul writes that we, we are to examine ourselves before we take the body and the, and the blood, which is the cup and the bread, basically to symbolize the, the sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross. That act is what allows us to have reconciliation with God the Father. Without shed blood, there is not forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus spilled His blood willingly for us. And so when we receive the Lord's Supper, we remember that sacrifice, but it gives us a chance to reflect on our own lives and, and get some things straightened out. Um, so it, life is messy. Constantly. And so, I don't know if you've ever been backpacking before through the wilderness, but after a week of backpacking, you come home smelly and dirty, and it's, it's, it's kind of like you're really ready to just get home and get cleaned off. And you get cleaned off, and you're like, oh, I feel great. Some people say after the Lord's Supper, I feel great. I've heard this from people. People go to the Lord's Supper, and we just say, let's just take the time to evaluate and examine and, and Scripture actually says, Paul writes, examine yourself and judge yourself. Basically, just scrutinize. How are you doing? Is there anything out of sync between you and God? And so at the Lord's Supper, we take some time to do that. And, and after that experience, and then even, hey, screen through your relationships with your friendships, with your family, with other people in your life. Is there anything, any bitterness that's forming? Is there anything that's just not right? then clear it up. So we take the time in the Lord's Supper to clear up relationships with people and with, um, with God. And that whole experience, I find, um, it's, it's a cleansing experience. I understand why people say, I feel, I feel so much better. I feel lighter. It's because, uh, it's because of that effect of, of forgiveness and, and how when we're stockpiling sin or when our relationships are, are out, you know, are, are messed up, it's kind of like there's a kink in the line and the fellowship we have with God gets somewhat muddied. And so we we confess our sin. We get things cleared up. And that just opens the communication line between us and God the Father when, when we're right with Him and with others. So uh, today, just take the time to begin to examine your life and yourself and just like God, show me anything that's going on that I just need to, that's not pleasing you, that I need to confess. Do that throughout the day. We're going to have some time set for it this evening, but um, in preparation, I just want to encourage you to, to prepare for that. If you're, if you're planning to attend, we have child care. And so, today we're, we're beginning this message on the pressure points that we face in life. There's a wide variety of them. There's a wide variety of trials and challenges that we face in life. And whether you're going through pressure right now or not, it's probably just right around the corner. I mean, pressure comes pretty frequently. Pressure points come up often. And so gaining the right perspective on pressure is absolutely critical. So that's why we're going to be spending the next seven weeks in the book of James. It's a New Testament book. It's not a difficult book to understand. 
The book of James, when you read through it, it's not difficult to understand, but it is extremely difficult to apply the truths that we find in the book of James. And so, it's written from an authority. Okay? James is an authority on um, life. Uh, he, he lived, he, he was a sibling of Jesus. So ha- the half-brother of Jesus, basically, is James. He was able to see Jesus up close and personal. And something about siblings that we know is, siblings know our history. They know, they know how we do life. Anytime my sister, I have an older sister, takes uh, my children for the weekend, or just she watches them, or she has you know, lunch or an outing with them, my kids always come home with these funny new stories about dad, you know. <laughs> Auntie Rachel told us this about you. And I'm like, thank you, Auntie Rachel. <laughs> but the, the siblings have a unique perspective, don't they? And so imagine what it would be like to see God live. And that's the perspective that, Jesus, that James was able to have. Okay, If anyone could speak and give Qualified advice. James is one of those guys that could do that. So today we're going to look at, we're going to begin looking at the book of James. But today's going to be a little different than our typical service. We actually, in a few moments, we're going to have a panel of guys join me up here on the stage, and they're going to help me flesh out the beginning of James. Okay, James chapter one, verses one through four, and verse twelve. And so, uh, go ahead and take out your listening guide. You find it in your program. At the top, you see this statement, and this is what we're going to look at this morning: trials and testings. Trials and testing show up in different circumstances for our good. It's for our good. So let's look at James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then verse 12. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he introduces himself. He's writing this to the twelve tribes in the dispersions. The twelve tribes of Israel who were dispersed around pretty much, you know, the Middle East there, okay? These were, uh, the Jews were scattered from, in history, they were scattered through periods of, of uh, occupation and then captivity. God allowed foreign armies to come in and to take his people captive as discipline. So the Jews were taken captive to Babylon and Assyria. They were, this was called the, the capti- captivity periods. And after things resolved and they were able to return back to their land, many of those folks who were dispersed and displaced, decided to just be, build their new life in these different regions. So James is writing to the Jews who'd been dispersed. Okay, they were, they were you know, people who trusted and relied on the God of Israel, but they were no longer living in the land. Okay? So what, what we get from this is James is writing to a broad audience of people who are dealing with different cultural uh, impacts in different parts of the world. Okay? And so it's a broad letter. It really applies Okay, so James just says greetings. He's introducing himself. Greetings. Then he says in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then if you move forward to verse 12, it says this, Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. So God is trying to produce something in us 
Verse 4 says, Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You get the picture that this is what God is after in our lives. He wants to grow us up. He's wanting to mature us. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He, he wants to, you know, God, you know, He wants to develop in us a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so, James, he's highlighting a process here that God takes us through to grow us. God's growing you through a process of tests, of trials, of challenges. And the point is, it's, it's for your good. He wants good for us. Trials are normal. God is using them to develop you. There's a few words I want to define. These are going to come up in the book of James. The first word is, is the word trials. In the Greek, the word trials, it means the act of examining something closely. The act of examining something closely. It's a putting to proof. Okay, it's, It is... When we think of the word trial, we think of like going on trial. You're being uh, scrutinized. You're being asked questions. You're under trial. You're examined in a sense. Like maybe there's a... A lawyer examining you and examining the things you've said, the things you've done. This is, this is the picture that we have is, my life is being examined, okay? I walk through trials. James also says that there's trials and then there's testing. Very similar idea, but the Greek, this just says, approved genuineness. Approved genuineness. And it's, it's, it's like, I say these things, I say this is who I am, but then I'm put. Is there really proof? Through a period of testing, the genuine nature of something, you know, shows up. Like it, she says these things, but then she does these things. Okay, the test reveals that this isn't really true. It's not genuine. Or, or the testing reveals that he says these things in his his life. It stands up to that testing, he's genuine. What he says and what he does, those, those reasonably match up. There's this period of testing that, that James says. When you encounter, he says, trials and testings of various kind, he says, count it all joy. Then he says it produces, those things produce this word, steadfastness. Steadfastness is not a term that we use all that often. We use uh, you know, versions of this, steady, hey, steady yourself, brace yourself. Uh, but steadfastness, it, in the Greek, it means to bear, literally it means to bear up under pressure. Bearing up under pressure. Or most literally, it means to remain under. To remain under. So imagine that you're carrying, your life is you're carrying weight. The more, the older you get, the more responsibilities you take on. The more you venture down the road of life, you're, you're carrying more weight. And I'm not talking physically. He might be like, amen to that, man. It's, it's happening. I don't know. But what I'm talking about, and what James is talking about is, is you know, my job gets harder through the years. My responsibilities. My, like, this is a lot more pressure than it was in previous years. Uh, my family life. Uh, you know, my, my responsibilities in that regard. There's just things are really changing. Uh, my money management, my my decisions, there's more of an impact. So I feel like the weight of life is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And so steadfastness is the ability to remain under that pressure and to not drop it. Like, ah, forget this. This is this is this responsibility is too too weighty. I'm getting out from under it. 
That's the temptation, is to get out from under the pressure. James says, tests and trials come to produce steadfastness, to produce a steadiness, an endurance. Another word that we use for steadfastness is endurance. To endure under the pressure. So I want to have these words in our mind because we're going to be looking at these over the next several weeks. And like I mentioned, uh, got some guys that are going to come up here in a moment. And basically, these guys um, have chosen to step into the pressure cooker in life. All of us face trials, like James says, but sometimes you choose to actually put your life in more pressure intentionally. You decide, I want to train. I want to grow. I, I spiritually want to grow. And so all these guys are, are involved in some training programs that we have as part of our church. Uh, and so here's a picture of a pressure cooker. Okay, pressure cooker. It's got this mechanism where you tighten it down. There's these little screws to tighten it down. And then the heat is turned on. And whatever's inside, it's, it's, there's all this pressure and intense heat. And see, this is how life is like. When you're in seasons of pressure, this is how it feels. Like, oh my goodness, it's just getting tighter and more confined in here. It's getting hotter and hotter. And I'm getting cooked in here. So I want to illustrate this by inviting these, these uh, six guys up here to the stage. And we're going to look at this issue of being in the pressure cooker. This is, uh, we've got three guys from uh, North Star. And so here's a logo of North Star. North Star is a two-year training program that is developing uh, leaders in our church, just, you know, Christ followers in our church who want to take personal ownership for their growth and really want to see themselves as lifelong learners. But it's a two-year uh, training program. And so uh, we've got a couple guys up here that are involved in that. Brad over here. Uh, Brad is an electrician and by trade. And so he's a part of North Star. And then we have Brian over here. He's a registered nurse. And then we have Tom over here. And he's an analytics manager. He works with numbers. And then over to the far right, Eric is involved in Antioch Project, which is a five-year training program for people who sense a call to go into ministry, go into vocational ministry. And this is Bryce. And Oh, sorry. Eric is in accounting. He's an accountant, or he is in accounting. <laughs> And Bryce is here as well. Bryce is also in the Antioch Project, five-year ministry training program. And Bryce, Bryce works in college admissions. And then Aaron Lawson over here, he is in construction. He'll tell you a little bit about uh, that, I'm sure, in a moment. And he's also involved in the Antioch Project. So all of these folks have chosen to uh, crack open the lid and jump into that pressure cooker alongside that... that uh, hunk of meat and they're just inside there potatoes and onions and stuff and it's tightened down and the heat is on they've chosen to do these training things which take quite a bit of time in their lives and for their family they're also in the pressure cooker with them as their families you know because they've they're, they're doing this and and they're this brings some pressure into their family life and so, I've got some questions I've, I've prepared, and so you'll see these up on the screen. So the first one is this. Guys, uh, what are some of the current pressure points that God is using to grow you? 
So probably the most, the top pressure point right now would be uh, my newborn son, Levi. So he's about three months old in just the next few days. And so... He's a first, um, first time dad yes, here. Yes, first time dad. So getting used to the sleep schedule of a first time dad is a big deal, as well as just trying to keep up with everything else going on. Uh, for me, pressure points, you know, Antioch Project. Uh, we also have FLDC, which is like this weekly training program for counseling. Um, I have three kids. Uh, I'm also, I just started a business this year uh, doing construction. So uh, for me, that's probably where most of the pressure is coming from, is uh, not only learning new trade skills, but also learning how to, um, you know, do the books for business or, um, you know, scheduling organizational skills, that sort of thing. My, uh, my biggest pressure point I think would be a family time management oh that's cool um, <laughs> uh, you know we got four and a half kids my wife's pregnant over there and, uh, and I work at night so you know uh, schedule uh, schedules have flip flopped and um, you know finding time to, to love and, and care for my wife is, is tough and then the kids require everything um <laughs> <laughs> and so just, you know, finding the balance in that, uh, that's, that's my pressure area. All right. Over here. So for me, do, Antioch is definitely a pressure point. And um, my wife and I are also doing a ministry called Apartment Life, where we, we live in an apartment complex here in Riverside, and we put on a couple events a month. And the whole goal is to build community, but also we use it as a platform to reach people who don't know Christ, and so we're trying to, we do the, the events and all the work that goes in that, and we also invite them to our apartment or and, um, do other things to try to connect with them outside of just the normal stuff that we do for that ministry, and then on top of that is we have a, um, a five-month-old son named Brooks, and so we're, and we're first-time parents too, so trying to manage all of that is the pressure. By the way, Brad's in my cluster group in North Star, and he really is the school of a guy, so it's, <laughs> he's a good guy to be with. Uh, for me, it's definitely work. Um, as Pastor Josh said, I'm an analytics manager, and I didn't apply for the analytics manager job. I had found a nice senior analyst position swimming in data, and I was, you know, give me my data and my coffee and my desk and leave me alone for eight hours. Um, but my boss wanted to promote me and make me his number two, and he did, and when it happened, I could kind of, I could see events lining up and things happening without him actually specifically addressing it, and I wasn't wanting it to go that way, and I told my wife that it felt like, I said, this is what it must feel like to have a wave pull you out into the ocean, and about a couple weeks later, Pastor Josh said in a sermon that sometimes God will pull you like a wave deeper into the water where you have to rely solely on him. And so that sermon really spoke to me. So right now my big pressure point is work. Uh, For me, my main pressure point at the moment would be uh, having a busy life, lots of commitments, work, um, involved with ministry, North Star. So when Josh asked me to speak about this, it didn't feel like much of a pressure point just being busy, but you wonder what's coming up. You get a windfall of money, you got a bill coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he asked on Wednesday. We were driving yesterday, having a good time as a family, and the next thing I know, our car is filled with smoke, and both the airbags have deployed and have screaming kids. Um, and so the, there wasn't much room for things to, 
go wrong, and then that happens. So, you know, the pressure points always come. <laughs> this happened yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday. The accident. Everything's okay. Everything's okay, yeah. though. Yeah. I asked him after, is everyone okay? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you, you plan to talk about pressure, and then it's an intense week that you begin to walk through. So these guys, they're expressing, they, they're dealing with pressure from different types of things. Hopefully that someone up here, you can maybe identify with something that they share. James, he's, he gets at several subjects. He gets at temptation, he gets at good works, he gets at speech, faith, conflict, wanting justice. All these different things we're going to look at through the book of James that are very, very practical. And they're, they're areas we need to understand. So how, how have you guys found yourself wrestling with obedience from these different types of pressure points. How do you wrestle with obedience? Uh, yeah, so for me, uh, I, I really wrestle with the temptation to uh, slack off, you know. Um, being a business owner, being a husband and a dad, uh, there's a lot of stuff to do. And so, uh, you know, you put in a couple hours of solid work and it's like, all right, good job. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Let's kick our feet up. Uh, I deserve to binge watch 13 hours of TV. Um, and so, but really, uh, my task right now is to stay under pressure and, and keep a tight hold on my responsibilities, not to slack up. Um <clears throat> I think the same thing goes to me. The temptation is uh, to take a break. Um, kids are always up in your face. And, um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the temptation is, is to take a break, right? Let's be honest. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't help the situation at all, I guess. You know, um, I use this one in, in first service. You know, if you walk away from, from her wife, she's still going to be angry when you come back, right? You still have to make that... You have to still have to make things right with her. You know, welcome to insight into our marriage. My <laughs> my, my wife's trial is me. <laughs> but um, so anyway, um, the, the temptation is to to walk away from a a constant work ethic and to uh, hide. Hmm. Uh, for me, the um, the temptation when you're busy is to put things off. Um, I remember how it was to have young kids and to realize that your time is no longer yours, and you'll learn. <laughs> but uh, now, you know, it, for me, the work, the commitments I have, usually the best time to do them is 5 a.m., and when 5 a.m. comes around, my alarm clock goes off, and then my snooze goes off, and the next snooze. <laughs> and then my wife starts stirring. That's the temptation would be to, well, I can do this tonight. I'm going to have just as much energy after a full day of work tonight rather than this morning. And then tonight comes and you realize I'm as tired as I was the other days. Um, so the temptation would be to put things off that need to be done now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the temptation for me is to give in to, or to chase the desire of, I, I want me time. I want to be lazy. And so that looks like, you know, late at night, I have, it's, the baby's asleep, uh, my wife is winding down too, and I have the chance to probably work on some homework or just do some stuff for 
uh, apartment life, and I choose to just like be on my phone checking sports or whatever it is. And so, um, and I the problem I've been realizing that it's an obedience issue because I. Um, I really fight for that me time, and I'm, I, I've learned that I really try to get it. And so, what I, what's been happening is I'm realizing the cost is just too high when I when I choose myself, when I choose laziness over fulfilling my responsibilities. And so that's my big way I'm trying to obey right now. <clears throat> James says, he says, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, it, the assumption is this is going to happen. It's just around the corner. Trials are a part of our life. Pressure is a part of our life. These guys, they decided they wanted to be involved in training programs. One of them, or you know, three of them in a two-year program, three of them in a five-year training program that puts weekly and daily additional things on their calendar. So big question for them again is, why would you do that? Why have you chosen to put yourself in this type of pressure cooker? I think for me, I really want my life to count in the end, and I know in order to do that, I really need to to train more in order to do that, but also I need to increase my capacity, my ability to do more things, and so putting myself in a pressure cooker like this really helps to expand my capacity to really try and make an impact. Uh, for me, much like Bryce, you know, I, I really do want to be a major player in the kingdom of God. I want to be a major player here at OCC. Um, and with that, you know, I, I have shortcomings. I have blind spots. I have faults. Um, but but being in this pressure cooker is really the opportunity to kind of reveal those areas, learn how to grow past them, um, and then really learn how to be effective in the kingdom. I liked my blind spots and my rough edges, um, but uh, I think a practical answer is I'm not my own, right? So um, it was, I've been reminded several times that I needed to take this step, and I didn't want the pressure, I still don't like it, Um, but I think this is a step in obedience to take away some of the roughness I got. For me, it's I really value the the coaching and the mentoring that I get through Antioch. Uh, I've been really challenged in in so many ways on where I need to grow and like the guys said, blind spots. Um, I've been encouraged and just have learned a lot about just how life works from God's angle. And so I really that's why I'm in it. And um, I also just I want to be a valuable asset to the kingdom and to my family and to our church here. And so by trying to handle this pressure well, hopefully I can be faithful with it and grow my capacity to do more in the future. So if you talked to my wife or my kids or any of my siblings, they'd tell you that my greatest fear is living an average life. You know, re- I don't want to reach the end of my life and stand before God and, you know, I withheld something from him. I didn't give, you know, 110% out there and leave it all on the field. And that's always been my biggest fear, and it still is. And if all you ever do is what's comfortable, if all you ever do is what comes naturally, all you're going to get is an average outcome. If you want better than average, you have to be uncomfortable. And what this program does is it lets me get a little more uncomfortable, or a little little more uncomfortable to improve my skills as a church member, as a volunteer here, 
you know, as a leader, you know, within my family, within my community, and within my workplace. So, in a nutshell, you know, I did this because I want to be better than average. Uh, for me, I, I've had the opportunity to watch a lot of the men here um, go through their own pressure cooker and do well in ministry or in family life. Whatever the circumstances, watch them do well, and I'd ask myself, how are they there and why am I not? Part of that is the training and being willing to put yourself in the pressure cooker. I want it to, you know, at the end to have been useful in my life, have been a good dad, a good husband, um, good in my job. And uh, this is part of that ultimate goal is you got, i got to be willing to put myself through it. It's not going to be comfortable. So um, that's why... I'm willing to put myself through the pressure cooker. God, God produces character out of out of these seasons of pressure. Um, I asked Tom and Bryce to just briefly share about that. What are the uh, faith characteristics or character that God is is developing in you right now? I think for me, um, it's definitely trusting that God's going to take care of my family. We had a, a training meeting in Huntington Beach a week ago, and we took our son, and on the way home, the whole way, he screamed, and so that just, like, you know, hurts your soul a little bit, and, um, you know, and then I was also gone for a conference or training at the beginning of the month, and there were several times when my wife just couldn't console him. He just screamed for a really long time, and so it just really hurts, and so just trusting that God's going to take care of my family. There's a in Numbers, there's a passage that explains when the Israelites were going to walk into the promised land um, and they decided not to. One of the reasons that they gave was in the name of security and safety of their families. And so just trusting that as we move forward in faith, God is going to actually take care of our families. That's good. That's good work. That's servant leadership, I think, is what I'm seeing being developed in me. The reason I really didn't pursue being a manager where I was was that it's a lot easier for me to just sit there with that spreadsheet, with my numbers, and produce something for my bosses and send it out. And Because I know the quality of my work. I trust the quality of my work. I can send that out with no fear. It's a lot harder being responsible for five, eight, ten other people and their work and taking care of them and providing for them and developing them to be the kind of analysts and the kind of team members that we need to be where I'm at. Fortunately, I've got a boss who really does model servant leadership uh, for me and for the rest of us. His boss models it too, and the boss above him. So that really seems to be a thing in the culture where I work. And I really feel through this program, through the, the case studies, the small group work that we do in North Star, that that's really being developed, and I'm able to apply it not just here, but in the rest of my life. Okay. Last question. This is for all the guys. Real briefly, you know, James says in verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So imagine, you know, you're experiencing a trial. It's kind of like you're like, hey, hello, you know, you're in, you know, meet, meet a trial, you know. When you meet the trial, count it all joy. Hey, it's nice to see you. How, how do you count it all joy? That, in my mind, that brings up a certain kind of imagery to count something as joy when I meet the next trial. So practically, I think it would be helpful. How do you guys do that? How do you practically apply this truth or this perspective to your pressure? How do you count it joy? So 
I think for me, the easy thing is to just get frustrated when I meet a trial and I meet pressure, or I think, what's wrong? Why am I? Why is this so hard? But uh, I think what, the way I counted joy is actually viewing all these things. They're good things. They really are. And so trying to view them as um, opportunities to grow and to be faithful in. Um, I want to make the most of them. And so by choosing to count them all joy and making that a goal of mine, I can hopefully grow in the now and then um, experience blessing from that in the future. My dad was my best friend, and he was a sergeant in the Army, and he was a construction project manager and a church youth director. And one of my favorite quotes from him was, a little pressure is good for you. And I view pressure, the way I count it, Joy, is I view this as something that's developing me. It's strengthening me. It's helping me to build my spiritual muscles the way lifting weights would help me build my physical muscles. So that's how I count it all, Joy. Um, when, when you try something out you've learned or practice something that you've been learning and you see the positive result of it, whether it's through a relationship or you're faithful with giving and then God provides you in a way you didn't expect. Or, or I see a behavior modeled in my children that I just learned and I know hadn't been practicing, say, a year, two years before, but now I'm seeing them do it because I've made the choice to change the behavior or something. That I think those, those small successes help to make it a joy when it feels hard. I remember, I think, back to those. And uh, that's how we, I do it. Yeah. yeah, I think back to different trials or difficulties that I tried to handle my own way. And then the results of that were not very good. And then, but then just remembering other times, I really just decided to adjust course during the trial and, and handle it however God wanted me to handle it. And seeing the benefits that came from that just really enriched, enriched my life. And so knowing that, okay, if this, this may be difficult now, but on the other end, it really is going to enrich my life somehow. Um, then that kind of helps me count it as joy. Uh, the way I count it, joy, is really adopting the right perspectives. You know, seeing this, this pressure uh, more as growing pains than anything else. Uh, yeah, I have a, <clears throat> I might not look like it, but I have a six-year-old son, and he's about this tall. And, uh, you know, when he's my age, he's going to be like this tall, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so with that, you know, he, he wakes up in the middle of the night with these, these terrible growing pains, and he's crying and stuff, and, and you feel bad for him, but at the same time, I'm able to look down the road and see that these pains uh, really are going to equate to him being this giant human being, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. And so, um, so seeing that these pains really are, are a guarantee of uh, growth that's going to happen tomorrow. And the same thing for me. When, when I feel uh, the anxiety or stress or the pressure, uh, it's, it's growing pains. The pain today guarantees the growth tomorrow. Uh, counting it joy. Um, I, I guess the, the way uh, my wife and I look at it is, is uh, the mile markers of spiritual maturity. Um, so you encounter a trial and you handle it a certain way. And then um, God shapes you or your marriage or your family. And then you encounter another trial and your perspective and your growth changes. And that serves as a, a spiritual mature, maturity uh, marker, right? Um, I shared this last 
service. I'll try to not to butcher it, but um, I think we can all agree that we are uh, here for God's glory. Um, that that is our purpose. Um, you don't look at a really sweet hot rod, and you, you don't go up to the car and say, "Hey, good job." You know, you go up to the mechanic and say, "Wow, you you're amazing." This is an art an art form, and I think. Um, you know, as we go through trials, that's that's God's reworking of our our frame or you know um, transmission or LT1 Corvette 6.2 liter motor. Um, the in the end, you know, we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to be that individual beautiful work of art that gives glory to God. And in the midst of these, you know, I look forward to to seeing how I'm going to turn out. That's all. Let's hear it for these guys. Appreciate you guys coming up. They 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 helped flesh out these these verses for us. I could have told you about these verses, but I thought it'd be more helpful to have some real life just guys up here sharing how they see the pressure in their own lives and how they're equating it to what God is doing in them and how God's growing them. And, and I want to encourage you because you're, 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 you're under pressure right now in your life. And I want to encourage you to not lose heart in the pressure. That is often the attack that is coming at us is that we would just be zapped of our heart to continue. That, and so don't lose heart in the pressure. Don't let pressure rob you of joy of courage of forward motion god is actually with you through your current pressure and he will use it for your growth he will use it for your good Uh, these men they've given us quite a challenge as far as you know count it joy it's hard to do that it's hard to it's really hard to count it joy when you're in when you're in the in the heat of pressure they've challenged us to do that when you're going through pressure you can count it all kinds of things. You can count it as a nuisance. You can count it as a pain. You can count it as, you know, a waste of time. You can count it as cruelty. But, that's, that's if you don't keep God's perspective. If you have God's perspective, then, then you can count it as joy. Because you see what God is doing through it. This whole series, we're going to keep coming back to this issue of pressure. I want to show you just some of the, the messages we're going to hit um, through this series. Uh, today we've talked about, you know, when you're under pressure. I want to show you week two, basically, we're going to look at when you're enticed. Okay? When you're enticed. We, we all battle a temptation. All of us. We battle temptation. And so, and we're tempted by different things. And so you... you you're going to be tempted this week. There's patterns of temptation. Then there's temptations that you you maybe have never experienced before that you're going to you're going to be encountering and be enticed by. So James he talks about this issue of how to deal with temptation. Uh, week three we're going to look at when you're challenged to act. James says that that many times like God speaks to us through His Word. And it's like God puts His finger on an area of our life that He wants us to take action in. And then we have a choice we, we need to make. Whether we're going to act on it, or we're just going to let the thing pass through our mind and move on with our life. And so you, there's always this challenge to act. And the growth in life comes from the action. 
And so we'll look at that in a few weeks. Also, we're going to look at when your faith is lacking. If you're at a point where you feel like your, your faith is dry, you just feel like you're just, it, it's, you feel dried up, uh, we're going to look at what James says to add to your life if you feel like your faith is really lacking. Uh, week five, we're going to look at when you open your mouth. The reality when we open our mouth is, you know, good and bad can flow, right? Every time we open our mouth, James he talks to us about the cautions and, and, and the opportunity when we open our mouth. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, week six, we're going to talk about when you're in conflict. You know, think about the people that you're, that you're most in conflict with. It's probably those people who are closest to you. It's, it's, it's family, it's, it's friends, it's co-workers. When you're in conflict, James says, here's a way to understand conflict. It's a, it's a perspective shift that he gives that really has helped me as I've, I've wrestled with a passage in James. And then week seven, we're going to look at when you want justice. Basically, when someone has hurt you and you want them to get paid back, and when you think, I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to pay them back, uh, James brings this whole issue of, of what, do, what, what do we do when we, when we really want justice? So all of these weeks are, are I think, going to really be hitting home for heart issues for our congregation. So I want to invite you to just be here throughout this whole series. I want to invite our worship team to join back up on the stage and ask you to take a look at these next steps. The first one really is to, to zero in this morning on what is your number one pressure point in life. What are you currently experiencing the most heat and pressure in right now? Where is that? You heard up here it was at work. It was uh, it's managing family life and pressure. It's it's uh, training. It's lack of energy and sleep. It's it's what, what is your number one pressure point? How how uh, I, I want to encourage you to identify what that is. And then number two, um, just encourage you to, to come to the rest of the series as we're going through this. This last one is somewhat of a homework thing. And so if you want to prepare for the next week, then read James uh, chapter 1. Read the whole thing through verse 18. So 1, 1 through 18. And ask God to speak to you through it. And then you'll be uh, a little more prepared even for next Sunday. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. It's good to worship you. It's, it's really good to be encouraged, Lord, as we hear others who are pressing on with you. Lord, thank you for this group of men and how they represent uh, heads of household who are trying to walk seriously with their God. Or we, we do not want to just live our life and have the same thing going on year after year after year after year, getting nowhere. Lord, we don't want to spin our wheels. We want to grow. We want to experience this picture that James is crafting of, of completion, of maturity, of something that you're doing. But that outcome comes through pressure. So God, help us not to run from it or escape from it, but help us to stand and remain under the pressure and endure through it, God, because of what you're producing in us. We praise you for the fact that you see the big picture. You see the outcome. We praise you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you're in control. And we'll trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.